Good afternoon. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size podcast. This is the Liverpool preview. Big game at the Emirates on Sunday. I'm, of course, FPR Nemo, and I'm joined by my co-host, Clayton. We've both just come back from a late night at the Emirates yesterday watching the Europa game, Bodo Glimp. So thank you for your ticket. I know you were with the Ashburton Army for the first time, so I'd love to hear about that a bit today. And then I obviously got to enjoy your kind of tactical view where you can watch the game like a tactician now i know where you get all your thoughts from like you've got this like perfect view of everything that's unfolding in front of you yeah i d- i'm so nerdy with football and i think that's what i love the lower tier for like the atmosphere the vibes and everything but i always feel like your view of what is happening on the pitch and like the flow of the game is so distorted and yeah that's why i love my season ticket seat because like you get a bit of the atmosphere that's going around but just tactically, I feel like you can see everything that's happening. And um, yeah, should we touch on Bodo game quickly? Yeah, let's let's spend a few to... minutes talking about that before Liverpool. I think um, it'll be good. Obviously, it's our second Europa tie. Um, we're top of the table at the moment on six points. I think Zurich and PSV, they've both only played two games. or Some, some of them have played... I'm sorry, they've played more games than us, I think. Even. Yeah. So, yeah, so some PSV of the teams played more games. walloped Zurich as well. I saw that. They pasted them through and through. Um, obviously, it's really vital we win this group. Um, what we don't want to happen is that we have to face the third place in the Champions League that dropped down in a playoff before the last 16. So exactly, it's absolutely vital. And it's, you know, considering we made eight changes to the starting 11, um, yeah. I know a lot of those players haven't played together. Um, you know, obviously, it was a bit more difficult to get into the game. We didn't dominate as long as we're used to in the Prem. But from my perspective, I think if you're winning 3-0, keeping a clean sheet and making eight changes, what what more can you ask for? But you could definitely see a marked drop-off um, in quality. And then once the subs came on, like Jesus especially, like just from the moment he stepped on the pitch, he just, like, our team looked a completely different level. Yeah, no, I, I tweeted the exact same thing last night. It was just like, again, like I said, my view and sort of, analysis of what happened was so distorted because I didn't really have a feel for the flow of the game but eight changes to the 11 against a team that is very well respected um like going into the game everyone was talking about how tough it would be and how they play really intense pressing football and you if you woke up from a coma you wouldn't know if that was our first or second 11 at some points in the game I just think the the squad depth we've got and the way that everyone plays to the system that Arteta's driven into us is amazing and like you said I yeah, Jesus came on, was great. I, just, I really like the way Arteta's managing the minutes at the minute. I really, really like how he's doing that. Um, and yeah, I just, I thought it was a, a great evening. Yeah, sitting with the Ashburton Army was great fun. Like, heard a lot about them. And like, I've been in their chat for a while, but it was my first time actually sitting with them. I love what they're doing. And um, obviously, for a, it was a home Europa League group stage game, right? So it wasn't going to be like a cauldron, but it, it was good. It was it was decent. And Bodo's away fans were decent as well. But um, I'm sat with them again on Sunday, so looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, last night was good. No dramas, played good football for prolonged periods of time. Like you said, eight changes to the 11, no dramas. Uh, on to the next one. And yeah, I think the next one is Bodo away. Like we're on six points at the moment, played two games. PSV and Bodo are on four points. PSV have played two games, Bodo have played uh, three. So we're doing all right. I think the other thing is just you mentioned it about the Bodo fans. I think it's worth giving them a shout out. They they were honestly very admirable. Um, I could see them jumping up and down, singing for the entire game. 
I'd go as far as saying so far they're the best um, away fans I've seen come to the Emirates yeah, this season. Easy. Like they easy. were massively into it. And then we saw them obviously outside the stadium all around the King's Cross as well before the game. Um, they seemed like really nice people. Um, no hooliganism like when the Napoli fans came and I saw them trying <laughs> to stop the bus getting to the stadium. And I don't think they realised it was their own team's bus. It wasn't even the Arsenal bloody team bus. So God knows what those guys were thinking. But um, the other thing I want to say for Bodo is... Um, they did look a lot better than I expected. So I think the fact that we were able to change those players, you know, it wasn't like disrespect to them. Like we obviously had to manage the minutes with the three games in seven days with this being sandwiched between Liverpool and Spurs. And the biggest thing for me was that Bodo came to the Emirates and they, they tried played to play football, football right? Yeah, yeah. Like they actually played. Like they, they had some breakthroughs. They, they were getting in the half spaces. They... You know, they, they got a few opportunities off and fair play to them. So, like, you know, a lot of teams have come to the Emirates and they have not tried to play the way they played. So, you know, unfortunate for their away fans, there wasn't a goal for them to celebrate. Obviously, very good for us. But um, yeah. on to the next one, as you say. So, I think um, in terms of Liverpool, then, let's go straight into yeah, that. let's and get on to the lineup. big one. Sunday, yeah, man. Oh, this, this feels like... <sighs> You know, Callum Kazza on Twitter, he said earlier, mm. like this, no matter what happens, the narratives are going to be wild after. But just from our perspective, I feel like this is such a huge opportunity to kind of stamp our mark and say, like, put a statement out there. Here we are. Because like Man United, we were hoping that would be the one. And obviously we lost that despite playing well, but no one cares about that. Tottenham... <sighs> I don't know. Like, there's not really been the vibe outside of Arsenal circles that that was like the st- the statement, and I think that probably tells you more about what people view as Tottenham without them realizing. But this feels like the pinnacle of if we can turn up, play our game, and potentially get a result. I know Liverpool have had their problems, but they've not, they're not they've not turned shit overnight. Like this feels huge. So yeah, predicted lineups. Do you want to run for it? Yeah, so we'll, we'll touch on the left-back situation, which seems to be a concern every week these days in terms of the only position in the 11 we're not sure on. So for the podcast listeners, we've gone obviously with Ramsdale in goal, White, Saliba, Gabriel. Zinchenko's in here at the moment, but um, I know you're going to touch on why you think maybe Tierney will start. And then we've got Party, Odegaard, Xhaka, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. So obviously it's like that. I would say that is our strongest 11 Um and obviously, that's why I was very happy to see them start together against Spurs last week. I, I, I do think, obviously, with Zinchenko, he wasn't in the matchday squad. Um, so that that was a bit strange. Tierney got an early sub. So you wonder, was he getting him ready for this game? It, it's a tough one because, obviously, in the presser, I do love Arteta's approach that you mentioned as well, which is like he just gives nothing away now. Um, yeah, I love it. <laughs> It's so good, honestly. Like it makes they asked our him for injury harder, news. But I absolutely yeah, it makes our job very hard. But um, yeah, he, you know, he was asked for any injury updates, and he just said none, or like <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah, none. and I love like you know, I do this a lot. Someone will ask me a question, and I'll try to be deadpan, and then my nervousness, I'll kind of elaborate. He's just like stare you down, nope, none. And he just doesn't elaborate. And then they have to provoke. And I love him, man. He, he doesn't his... crack under the silence. That's no, true. Yeah, just, just his, silence is everything a Everything about him, like his personality, how he carries himself. I, I just, man crush. <laughs> <laughs> so on that then, like, obviously, we, we know that there's going to be more training sessions before Sunday. Um, we're hoping to see some photos on, um, I think it's Getty Images, where a lot of the club's training images show up each week. 
if we don't see Zinchenko in the training images, then I, you know I find it hard to believe yeah. he would be starting this game. If I even see him in one photo looking like he's with that team, I have zero doubts that he starts. Zero doubts. Yeah, like I am so confident. Really? He would I don't. Start. I don't think it's like a hundred. So I agree that if he's fully fit, I think he will start. Um, I don't think it's like if you're doing probability. I don't think it's like a hundred percent TNE zero, but. Um, yeah, I, I think if he is fit and in the training pictures, I think Zinchenko will start to. My only where I messaged you before thinking, oh, it might be Tierney, was literally what you just said. Like the fact that Zinchenko wasn't in the match day squad, that seemed a little bit odd to me um, because he was in the match day squad for Zurich. So I do feel like maybe there's something going on there. But um, if we go on to the. So yeah, that's our predicted. So yeah, let's look at Liverpool's. Sunday, yeah, that's so Liverpool versus that Rangers. Will, it, they changed yeah. massively, didn't they? Like something first time in years. My thinking, yeah, like to, like you said, they changed, uh, they tweaked their system, so they went four-two-three-one, and um, yeah, I think something that's influencing my thinking is, I don't know if you watched the game or anything, but one thing I noticed tactically was they were four-two-three-one, and when they were attacking, you know how we always talk about, like all the mainstream pundits talk about, it, the top teams now attack with a five. They had Salah, Nunes, Jota, Diaz, and then it was actually Simicas attacking the box. And Trent was kind of reserved. He was like in a quarterback role and like really holding back and doing what he does best, right? His biggest strength is give him the ball, let him see the game, and he will kill you with passes. And he was doing that. But one thing that's got me thinking is I feel like everyone has now completely shifted the goalpost and like, okay, 4-2-3-1, where were we thinking there would be space previously? It's in, in behind the fullbacks, right? Just mm. because Trent is a bit more reserved, that doesn't mean Martin... Like, Trent is still not a fantastic 1v1 defender. Like, Martinelli... Put Martinelli one-on-one v him. As we've seen before, regardless of the, if there's space or not, Martinelli, aesthetically, people say he's not a great dribbler, but he is effective at dribbling. So I don't doubt that that's a thing. And why I think this... I want Zinchenko to play if he's fit is because of what Zinchenko then gives Martinelli. Martinelli has got that kind of... You've spoken about it before. You're not a fan of Martinelli inside. I don't hate mm. it, but I would prefer him to be outside 1v1 versus Trent because despite their 4-2-3-1, despite Trent being a bit more reserved, I don't doubt Martinelli can still isolate him and we can get joy there. I really don't. But yeah, so their, their 11 against Rangers was Allison, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk, Simicast, double pivot of Henderson, Thiago, and then Salah, Jota and Diaz in behind Nunes. Um, and it'll be interesting. I think Firmino will start on Sunday. I don't know what you think, but... Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I guess one, one thing I want to say is that one of the things we noticed was that I think, obviously, Klopp had been very successful with his 4-3-3 over these years. And it seems to be that having that lone pivot on its own, especially what we saw against Brighton, it kind of just left them a bit exposed. And I do wonder if this new formation, it does provide a bit more cover for Trent, as you say, and for Simicast while Robbo's out with kind of having the double pivot. Exactly. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like that then just completely nullifies Martinelli, right? So it will make it harder. But if Zinchenko starts and he's tucking in on the inside as like a, almost like a number eight in possession, the kind of Gundogan role, you could say. So the Cancelo role, even. And then that kind of means that Martinelli will be hugging the touchline. And I think that's what we want to see. So like you think of like Sane of old or Mahrez at City, they were very much hugging the touchline, getting to the byline. I feel that Martinelli, where he's been at his best this season, I think you touched on it, is that 
actually like essentially just trying to take on the fullback one-on-one and get inside. Um, yeah. When he plays closer to the middle, because Tierney is there and he's occupying perhaps more of the position Martinelli normally would in attack, it's just he has less space, I feel, to get between the defenders and it's not ideal in my eyes. So I'd, I'd like to think as long as Zinchenko is fit, like we would go with that. Um, in terms of like, we have some Liverpool fans here as well. So Calvin's tuned in, FPL Penguin, good okay. to see you, mate. So we'll, hey, let me just give a couple shout outs. I wish I would talk about t- this. Uh, I was going to say good luck for Sunday, but I don't mean it. <laughs> Any week, but this week, yeah. Um, so Bungle tuned in. He's all the way in Japan. So he's going to watch this back tomorrow, but he's come in and left a like. So anyone who finds this useful, entertaining, please do leave a like at the end of the episode. Really appreciate it. And huge thank you guys for helping us get to 100 subscribers live yeah, on air thank last you very episode. Much. That's great. Yeah, that's epic. So very happy about that. And then William Frick, good to see you, mate. He's looking forward to this one. Mike Halpin's here. Good afternoon, mate. Thanks for sorting out my mate with tickets for the game yesterday. Um, who else do we have? We have Penguin, as I said. Good to see you, Calvin. So he says, my heart says draw. Head says Arsenal win. I'm a Liverpool fan. We are sloppy this season and you guys are the team in form right now. So we'll touch on that in a moment as we discuss the Liverpool match in a bit more detail. And then Parf is here as well too. He not only it. did he call yeah. it correctly last time with <laughs> the party outside one. the box score, he's going for another one. Um, <laughs> So that, that's a bit crazy. As we well, said, that was his that was first call. That was his first call outside the box in like 52 shots. So if you call this again, then my give God, the I need to start getting, yeah, give me lottery <laughs> numbers, honestly, please. Um, and he says, Yota always wakes up against us. 2-1 win is my prediction. So Yota always terrorizes us. Yeah. He does. He, he's like prime player against us, like no matter what. Um, and Klopp's come out with his interview. He's, you know, said massive praise on the young boys. Him and uh, Pep do this a lot before games. They show us a lot of respect and then they kind of go on to just beat us anyway. So I'm hoping it's not the same old. Um, in terms of what Klopp said, I'd love to reach out for the podcast listeners in case they missed it. So this was what he had to say on Arsenal. He said, all my respect. Wow. Really, really good job. Martinelli has become exactly the player I expected. Odegaard I spoke to when he was 15 and the whole world wanted him. He became the player everyone expected. Saka, wow, incredible. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. So that is like, obviously, he's been admiring Martinelli from afar since the boy was 18, called him talent of a century and stuff. So I do feel it's borderline grooming, like he's just been waiting to try and nick them off us. But as it stands, I think we're, you said it, we're like probably one of the most exciting teams in world football projects wise. I think we are, yeah. So I I don't see uh, them wanting to leave. No, I watched the extended interview as well and Klopp was just very complimentary about us I think he probably sees a fair few similarities in his project at Liverpool and obviously we're a million miles off what they've achieved but in terms of the early days like how he had to kind of rebuild the team he built a really exciting team that wasn't quite title challengers but they were playing one of probably the best football in the country at the time and then obviously they evolved kept going they got their recruitment right they shifted the dead wood they then like yeah their recruitment they were like the blueprint of how you rebuild right and then that then they cherry picked to for that high impact and I think we're kind of in that stage just below that where we're playing the great football we've got our rebuild done and then the next few years we'll be cherry picking um those players for high impact but um yeah Klopp was very complimentary about us um which always is nice to hear yeah yeah I think it's good to hear managers respecting um other managers obviously these guys, they, they understand the game better than most of us on our armchairs at home or even watching in the stadiums. And, you know, God forbid that 
Arsenal Twitter fans were the ones to make the decisions at this club. So I know. that's just kind of my <laughs> two cents today. I know it's a very loaded comment to make. Um, so I won't go further and elaborate than that. But we've all seen what different fans can say online. Who Arsenal um, Twitter is an interesting place. But <laughs> should we go on to the place. actual tactical matchup? And yeah, uh, let's do that. Just a quick shout out to Christopher as well, by the way, who's tuned in just because I saw him sneak into the chat. So quick hey, shout Chris. out to you, Christopher. Um, yeah, before yeah, you, do you want to have a quick look the... at the matchup? Do you want I'll to let you say do it because obviously or... it comes from your show. But uh, one thing that struck me was, uh, what's Penguin's name? Was it Calvin? Calvin, yeah. Yeah, Calvin's comment in the chat um, about his head versus his heart. I said that on our review last week. Like, my head, the rational side of me, is saying that Liverpool are there. They, they can hurt us, but we can hurt them as well. And my head is saying we can create enough to win this game. I really believe that. And then my heart, saying no we can't do that like we, it's all it's all too good to be true we're, we're not going to do this Liverpool will turn up and we'll get beat and I just feel like it should be the other way around as an Arsenal fan but um let's see obviously when you're doing previews and analysis you need to go with your head and rational side so I'm ignoring my heart and let's see what the matchups say do you want to talk us through it yeah so um obviously there's from at FPL lens Gabriel one of my co-hosts for net that hall so he has the net xg model and we, we always look at this now because I find it quite interesting. So before we look at NetXG specifically, I just want to read out some key stats he has on chances, expected numbers and shots, especially for podcast listeners who can't see this. So at the moment, Arsenal are the fourth fewest big chances conceded with 11 and the fourth most big chances with 22. Um, at the same time, Liverpool are joint sixth most big chances uh, conceded. So that's 17 they've wow. conceded. So, Bloody hell. Yeah, so I think that's the thing I was going to say. Like Liverpool will be tough to break down, but the chances they do concede are big chances is what Gabriel was saying. Flipping out. So although, yeah, they don't, they don't concede many chances, but the ones that they do are big. And that's okay. kind of where we thrived, right? Like we have the mm. fourth most big chances. So that feels We're like very good at creating high-quality chances, yeah. And so that part of the game gives me confidence for sure. Me too. And that's the thing, like against a team like Tottenham, we were saying like defensively they're sound, but they're sound because of they park a bus, right? Let's not beat around the bush. They they literally park a bus. So to beat that, you have to be so precise and incisive with your passing and you don't create high quality chances through that. You create chances through chaos and stuff. But against a team like Liverpool, you can get space in pockets and those triangles we've got in little pods around the team. You can get in behind people. You can find pockets in between the interchanges and rotations. And yeah, so I, I think, yeah, that's great to see because, again, it's something that on the eye test, I felt like they create, uh, they can see chances, but I didn't quite realize they were the six most um, for big chances conceded. Yeah, so it's not actually, they don't actually see many chances in total if you compare just chances, but it's the big chances where yeah. they suffer. Um, and what would be interesting is obviously of the top six opponents we face so far, both United and Tottenham, like they did obviously let us have the ball a lot more. I think in terms of this matchup, Liverpool are going to have the ball more than those guys did. That's for certain. Yeah. So they're going to want to play football. They're going to want to attack. They're going to come for us. So you that will leave I... opportunities for us as well, right? Yeah. You know how I see this going? And obviously football's never written on paper. I think it will be very similar to the home game last year where we lost to them. Obviously, I'm hoping the result will be different. But... The game tactically, I thought was very close. I thought it was a, like a chess game at some points. It was very, very close. It was quite measured. There was like good battles in midfield. 
I think we can win that midfield battle this year. And I think over the pitch, we're a lot stronger now. And last year, it was just two clinical moments that just killed us. Last year, we controlled the ball without doing anything. We know why, right? Who did we have up top? We're a completely different attack now. And the way we build, the way we progress the ball, the way we create chances. Yeah, I, so I think it will be similar to last season in terms of it being like a chess match and fairly tight. But I think we'll control the ball to a decent amount. Liverpool will have periods where they do as well. But for once, I actually believe we can hurt them. Um, so that's where I'm hoping the difference will be from last season. Yeah, no, totally. And just to touch on the expected numbers a bit more before we look at the net XG number for goals predicted. So on expected stats again this time, so we're actually the third lowest expected goals on target conceded. So I think that's another key thing to look at is expected goals on target versus just expected goals conceded. That's 6.7 expected goals on target we've conceded. Um, on the flip side, Liverpool are seventh highest expected goals on target conceded with 10.4. So again, in terms of like, big chances this marries up with that uh, shots wise as well there's quite interesting so we scored 20 goals so far um, and we scored three or more in four out of our eight games so we are very much free-flowing that kind of 2xg team you were talking about yeah now in terms of liverpool they scored 18 goals so just two less than us but nine of them came in one game they've actually scored three plus in zero other games so they will score against us i have no doubt about that yeah, but I don't think they're going to be pulling up insane number of goals away from home like we may have seen in previous years. So yeah, that's, of, a, that's, that's the big thing. Like they'll definitely score. And just in terms of next year, so this model actually is so it takes all the stuff we just looked at. So chances plus the expected uh, numbers and then the shots minus then the, it puts into account the goalkeeper skill as well. So that's actually quite okay. different again. So it's like it's probably um, worth clarifying. This is Gabe's own model, right? Like yeah, Gabe's own model. So he's taken lots. Yeah. Of, yeah, no, he's built this next himself. So it's a like it's, it's a more kind of descriptive model, you could say. So it's kind of qualitative. So it's yeah, yeah, it's descriptive. It's trying to give context to the number rather than just give a number like XG might. So obviously, it's much more in its fledgling stages. But it, I guess you could say it's probably better at predicting XG than it is at predicting goals. So his net XG is probably what you would expect the XG to be. He's always trying to predict XG yeah. before it happens. So it's a very interesting take on it. But obviously you can hear more about that on net that hall. There's like a tutorial video of like intro to net XG if you're interested. Um, so he has 1.65 for Arsenal and 1.43 for Liverpool. Okay. In terms of zero goals on the shot model goal predictor, this is where it's very telling. It's a 13% chance of Arsenal getting zero goals and 15% chance of Liverpool getting zero goals. Now, that's quite rare. Normally, zero goals for like other matchups I've seen this week can be as high as 30%. Oh, wow. Like a one okay. third chance. So that means we have... Stick your house like, on both teams to score then. Pretty much, yeah. So we have a 28% chance for the one goal and they have 30%. We have 29% chance for two goals. They have 28%. We have 19% chance for three goals. They have 17%. And then four plus is 11% and 9% respectively. So that's, again, like what this kind of leads me towards is that I'm expecting two goals from Arsenal and a minimum of one from Liverpool. So when we get to the score predictions, I guess it's a good time to talk about them. Um, it's kind of like, do we think that two is our ceiling or actually with Liverpool trying to then, let's say, equalise, let's say it was 2-1, could we go in and get a third? So... I'm kind of looking at a kind of 3-1 Arsenal game or maybe even 2-1. Okay. 3-1 if they chase the second goal. Um, 
equally we might not finish that third chance and then they might get us on the counter of us trying to counter them so countering our counter and then there becomes 2-2 two, two. so it feels so like it's going to be a big chess match of- so yeah let's go to that slide now because I think that's kind of just put, put the thought process out there so in our current form if you ask me would I take a draw because it's at home I don't think I would so I, I, I expect us to win um what the score will be, that's the you really tough part. You expect us to win. That, that's what I'm expecting at home, um, based on where we are right now. Now, the one thing okay. that's thrown a bit of a wrench in the works is this new formation Liverpool have just tried out. If they had not tried that out, I would be far more confident. That's the one thing that could be a bit of a spanner. So, in terms of, like, I do think we're going to win. The score is the difficult part for me, because I'm expecting us to score two. I'm expecting them to score one. But I don't think the game will just end 2-1. I think there's going to be more chances. So that's where I'm kind of stuck. So Come on, what's your score? <laughs> I feel like if I say 3-1 again, that's really bold and outrageous this time around considering the opposition. Um, hmm, 3-2 is quite something I could see as well. So it's somewhere between that, like 3-1, 3-2 in my eyes. I think it's going to be a very high scoring game for both teams. Um, what's your bloody score prediction? <laughs> I can't make this. I, I I just don't want you to catch up. I want to get it right again. I'm proper deliberating over this. Um, oh fuck's sake! I'm going three two Arsenal. <laughs> Mine's three you're two. going three two. Yeah, and I, like mine is, I think like I've said, Liverpool will hurt us. I worry about Salah against potentially Zinchenko and stuff like that, and they will create chances and they will score. I don't doubt that we will create chances and score too. I feel like it will be a game of very fine margins and. FPL Hedgehog on Twitter nailed it. Variance is going to variance in this game. I really believe it's going to be such fine margins. And so I think the XG, like it's hard to predict the XG, but looking at the net XG stuff that Gabe does, I think it will be quite close and it will be like who's clinical and stuff like that. So um, I'm going 3-2 to the Arsenal. I'm going with my head. That's genuinely what I think. My heart says we're going to lose, but my head which is so weird to say, says uh, I think we will create enough to score three goals and they will also score two, so three two to us. All right, I'm going to go with three one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I think Saliba's got enough sauce to after the first one to go around and be like, guys, what are you doing? Three um, one would be unbelievable. And one thing I just want to say, right, if we lose, which is a possibility, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, this is a top team. They've not become crap overnight, contrary to popular belief. Like they are a top, top team. Um, and where we are in our season, we're doing fine. Like I always say, what's our goal? We said top four, right? Obviously, we want to see, can we close the gap to the top two? But right now, we're doing what we need to do to get top four. Let's just keep doing that. And then whatever comes beyond that, let's just see after Christmas, right? Let's just take it one game at a time. If we lose, it's not the end of the world. But if we win, that's a fucking big statement. And that's what I'm hoping for. I agree. Um, in terms of as well, like I've noticed you obviously put the white backgrounds. It's a lot cleaner to read. So yeah, I hope that was Delia Delia's will like that. Yeah. Feedback. Yeah, thanks for that. So that thank really you, Delia. Um, and then in terms of just to comment on some of the stuff in the chat before we go, I do have a meeting in a few minutes, but I've started some messages. So Hopefully this one I want to touch watching. on. Yeah, no, I do want to touch on this quickly. So it's my lunch break. Um, so Mike Halpin, do you think that Nelson getting so few minutes last night is telling? Um, I had him in my predicted lineup to start. That was on hindsight, a bit naive of me yesterday. Um, turns out I got nine out of eleven. So the two I got wrong were Gabriel at centre back and Martinelli. 
Um, well, do you remember what I was saying before the game? I just thought, so to answer Mike's question, I don't think it's telling at all. I think Arteta really rates him and I think he'll have the chance. For me, it was more from doing my homework, Bodo Glimt were going into the game like a known as like a high pressing, intense team. And I just thought Nelson's been out for a while. I just thought he would not go and chuck him straight back into the 11. And I thought 10 minutes to get him back into the rhythm of like men's football again. And then I think we will see him, like maybe not Bodo away, but PSV at home where we're hopefully just needing a point to qualify. I think Nelson will potentially start there. Um, so I don't think it's telling at all. I think he's just being managed really well, um, like we're doing with all the others coming back, coming back from injuries. I agree. And I think opinion. I said to you last night that we, we all forget that in 2017, Nelson made his debut at just 16 years old um, at the time him and Sancho were like considered the two best young English talents in world football. And if you ask many in the circles, Nelson was the one who was touted as the better talent. Obviously, it's not quite worked out like that. Um, you know, he's, he's gone through some injuries, on some loans. But there's a reason why three, four managers later, he's still at the club, right? Like we cleared so many players, so much Deadwood, and he's still here. Arteta he's has a here. soft spot for him. You can tell the way mm. he speaks about him. He does. And I think he's a very good dribbler. He's got a great shot. He's still only 21. So there's a lot of time yet for him to come good. And um, I'd, I'd like to think this is the season where it's his kind of make or break it. Like he's got to like do something to warrant staying beyond this. But for now, I'm excited to see him get some more minutes. Um, and it sounds like Marquinhos will probably go on loan in January. So, you know, having Nelson around as cover for Saka is not a bad thing. Um, and then just on Christopher, congratulations, yeah, mate. He's I'm just graduated today. Amazing. Yeah, that's huge, man. So hopefully we can get you a win to cap off a good week. And then I'll read out a couple of the predictions from the viewers and we'll get out of here. So we have 3-2 from Mike Halpin. He's been very good with these predictions recently. Yeah, so Mike's on it. The fact that he's agreeing with you worries me. Um, and then Christopher is saying it might be the alcohol talking, obviously. Oof. It, might, it might be. He's just graduated. So God knows how much he's drunk. But um. <laughs> He's going with 4-2 Arsenal win, Jesus Brace, Saka Martinelli goal, Salah and Yotta is the goal scorer. So if that comes in, mate, honestly, I don't know what to say. But 4-2 does seem like a game that could be possible, honestly. like um, Hopefully we will do the roundtable in the World Cup, actually, just an update yeah. for the viewers and listeners. So obviously we didn't get to do it because it was planned to be done and then the Queen passed away and it was the day of her funeral. So we've got four or five of the viewers from the Bite Sizes family coming on. Um. I think during the World Cup, it seems like a good time while there's no Premier League football yeah, just to reassess where we're at in the season, 16 games in, right? And um, with the Europa group stages out of the way. So that will be good fun. But otherwise, we will see you guys for the review of this Liverpool game. I think we're going to go live Monday, Monday at about 7.30pm. Yep. So once we get um, back from work... Um, I just want to say before we go, uh, good luck, Calvin. I do actually mean it. I hope you obviously lose, but I do mean good luck. <laughs> Yeah, like, made the best team win. I think, like, there, there's one opponent that we have in the top six I've always had a soft spot for, um, as much as I hate to say, and it's actually Liverpool. United, oh, no, you can I'm imagine, I don't really like... No. no, but I think, like, you know, like, United, like, you know like, what I think of them. Um, Spurs, obviously, you know what we all think of them. Chelsea, I don't really, like, respect them in any way. So, no, there isn't really many... Like, and City, like, I don't know any City fans, so they can't even grief me. I just, I, I hate City, the sport washing, all of that, but... Um... Yeah, I yeah, guess that you, makes you can't fault. Liverpool have done it the right way. You can't fault it. I feel like what they've done, as you say, is like we're like trying to follow that model almost. Yeah. Like self-sustaining football club run from profit and trying to 
go for greatness. So I do respect him in that way. So yeah, no, hopefully we beat you, Calvin. Um, <laughs> no matter what, though, I just hope it's a super entertaining game. We're going to have a great Sunday together. And if anyone who's listening is going to be at the Emirates, I'm looking to stick around. Obviously, the match doesn't end that late this time. So I think it's like yep. 6.15 p.m. So Yeah, drop us a message. Yeah, drop us a message. I'm looking to go to a couple pubs for a few hours and just hang out with everyone after the game. So it'd be good to see some of you all there. But otherwise, thank you yeah. all for tuning on in. On to the big one. Up the Arsenal. On to the big one. Up the Arsenal, everyone. And see you next time.